Hello Experience, I'm Matt Silver, one of the pastors here, and I hope you're having a great day. Rather, you've been with us since the beginning, or this is your first Sunday message. We are so glad that you're here. Well, today's an interesting day for us as a church. This is our 19th Sunday having an online service. And prior to that, we met at Exton Elementary School for 19 services since our grand opening. Well, one thing I love that has emerged from this quarantine is that it helps all of us recognize that our relationship with God is so much bigger than a gathering for one hour on Sunday. Yes, it's wonderful to come together under one roof, but it's important to recognize that we never stop meeting. We've continued to love one another in a multitude of ways through texting, phone calls, Zoom chats and meetings, picnics at Miller Park, and we still continue to service local organizations. We're making it work. If you've yet to connect with others at Experience, would you take a step in doing so? Maybe you've never said hello in the chat. Do that now. If you're new here, text ECC Info to 94000. Maybe fill out a communication card. Why? Because we're better together. One of the things that quarantine causes each of us to do is naturally isolate a little bit more, but that doesn't have to happen. You can be, and you're welcome to be, part of the experience community. We're better together. Well, today's service is going to be great. The message is coming from Tony Salva, and Tony has been a ministry friend of mine for nearly two decades, and he serves as a member of our management team here at Experience. He's wise, a solid communicator, is great looking. Well, he's okay looking, but trust me, you're going to love him. He's fantastic. Following his message, we will also be taking communion together. So take a moment now to grab a piece of bread, a cracker, or a chip, and something to drink. The items you choose are not near as important as what it represents which is Jesus' body and blood. And lastly, we'll end with a time of singing together. Thanks for joining us today, friends. It's going to be a great day. Good morning, Experience. It's so great to be with you today. Uh, I am a huge fan of Experience Christian Church and Matt and Carrie Silver. And so I'm, I'm really uh, just very uh, excited to be able to share with you this morning. I was with you on your very first physical service, and then I have followed along digitally in your services more recently, and I serve on the management team for Experience. So I have a lot invested in what you're doing, and I really care about what's happening in Exton, PA. Uh, so I'm so glad to be able to be with you today. I'm going to start this morning by asking you uh, to try to remember something for me. Can you remember your first experience with mourning or brokenness? And I know it's kind of a dark way to start a message, but go with me here, all right? What is your first memory of mourning or brokenness? Think about that for a minute. For me, it was the loss of my very best friend, my first best friend, my dog Woodrow. <laughs> We got Woodrow as a two-week-old boxer puppy on my second birthday. And I still remember being able to play with him and spend time with him as a child. But I also remember the day that my parents told me that Woodrow had died. I was crushed. And that was my very first experience with a broken heart. You know, mourning and brokenness come in a lot of different forms in life. Maybe you remember your first broken heart, do you? I, I had a few mini crushes back in my day, but my very first real broken heart occurred in high school. I really thought that I loved my girlfriend at the time, and probably in some ways I did. And, and I, 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 I remember vividly how she dumped me and who she dumped me for. Someone taller. 
This would be, unfortunately, a repeated theme in my life, but that's another message for another time. <laughs> but I was devastated. I was broken by that. Sometimes, though, we mourn over a whole lot bigger things in life, don't we? You know, I don't know, uh, I don't know all of you. I don't know your stories. But as, as, as we try to navigate the effects of this terrible virus, many of us have been mourning. Perhaps you know someone who has died from this terrible sickness. You know, I have a friend who's a pastor in the Bronx, New York, and he has lost 21 people in his congregation to COVID-19. And 10 of them have been children under the age of 12. Friends, that is real mourning, isn't it? Maybe you know someone who's suffering from the virus and you're worried about them. Maybe you have a family member or a friend that lives in a retirement or a care facility and you haven't been able to go and visit them in person and, and give them a hug, something that you have taken for granted for years. Or maybe you mourn the loss of a job. You've lost yours. Or you're broken by depression that's been brought on by all that's occurring in the world around us. Maybe you've lost... Uh, uh, lost someone in your life, or maybe you've been diagnosed with a terminal illness, and everything has become even more difficult to deal with due to all that's happening, all the restrictions. So that leads us to a question. What are we supposed to do with all of our brokenness in mourning? Well, I want you to know, as a pastor for more than 20 years, I was never able to find in the Bible an explanation for mourning or brokenness why God chooses to allow devastating sicknesses and pandemics to occur in the first place. But what the Bible does address quite a bit is God's comfort and how much He cares for us when we are hurting during times of brokenness and mourning. And so as we continue in this series that we're calling This Side Up, right? As we continue this morning, we come to this second beatitude in Jesus' most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus is talking to, talking about the most common and accepted human way of thinking about values and happiness, and he turns it completely upside down. And he says, I have a far better way for you to view life. Now, Jesus is speaking to all kinds of people on a hillside next to the Sea of Galilee. And this is what he says to them that day. It's also what he's saying to all of us sitting in our homes this morning. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 4, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Now, that doesn't make any more sense than the beatitude that Matt shared with us last week about the poor in spirit being blessed. It just doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. I mean, is what Jesus saying here is happy are those who are brokenhearted? Is that, is that what he's trying to convey? Is that what he's saying here? You know, over the years, I discovered that there are, there are nine different words in the Greek language that can be used to describe grief. And the one that Jesus uses here in our text this morning for mourn is the most severe of all of them, the strongest of all nine. It is when your whole body shakes and you cry from deep within inside yourself. And what Jesus is saying here is even those that are that brokenhearted, even those who experience this kind of grief and mourning, they are the ones who will be blessed. They are the ones who will truly be happy. 
It's completely upside down, isn't it? You know, the people in Jesus' audience, they knew about mourning. They knew a lot about it. It was actually a part of everyday life for them. They experienced famine and sickness and pandemics all the time. And they experienced it in even more severe ways than we are. They experienced it without the benefit of technology, without the benefit of science, modern medicine, social media. Maybe that one's not so bad. (laughs) In fact, the average life expectancy for most people in the first century was not much beyond 30 years old. And so these people that Jesus was teaching on the side of this hill that morning, they understood brokenness. They understood mourning. Their lives were difficult. And to this crowd, Jesus says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. So what is with all of that? Let's start with this idea that God actually comforts us when we are broken, when we mourn. Because we're told over and over in the Bible that God actually cares about our lives. He cares about our situations. He cares about what's going on. But how exactly does God comfort us when we are mourning and broken? Well, for one, he comforts us through his word, through his word. The Bible, scripture, it can provide us all kinds of comfort. Listen to what Romans chapter 15 says. It says, for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance, and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Friends, we can find all kinds of comfort in the Bible. And I hope during this time uh, where things have been quarantined and we've had a little bit more time, that you have found time to read from scripture. Because in it, we can be reminded that there really is something and someone bigger than the circumstances that we face. Someone that can provide us hope. God also not only cares for us through his word, his scriptures, but he also cares for us through his people, through the church. And I'm sure many of you have experienced this. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. That is the benefit of being a follower of Jesus. You are a part of a huge network, a family. And there are people who've actually gone through what you might be experiencing right now, no matter what that might be. Whether that be cancer, or the loss of a child, or the struggle of being a single parent, or the struggle with an addiction, the struggle of divorce, and all the messiness of that, there is someone that has been through what you've gone through and can actually provide you comfort. That is why it's so important to be a part of a local congregation, a church. It's why it's so important to stay connected digitally in services like this every week in ways to get together in in groups on Zoom and, and, and maybe even just calling one another, making phone calls. Don't stop reaching out to one another. God cares about you so much that not only does he give you his word to comfort you, he gives you his people, but God also promises that he gives us his spirit to provide us comfort. The Bible refers to God, the Holy Spirit, 
uh, as with a Greek word paraclete. Oh, and that crazy word just means comforter. And when you have a relationship with Jesus, it put, he, put, he puts his spirit inside of you. And God says, I'm not going to leave this to anyone else. Whatever it might be that you're going through in your life, if you will depend on me, I'm not going to leave you. I will hold you. I will comfort you. I will help you stand when you don't feel like you can stand anymore. You know, when my wife Stacy and I have gone through times of mourning and brokenness in our lives, and we've experienced all kinds of different things. We've been nervous and we've been scared. We've been angry at times. We have been sad and overwhelmed by grief. And through all of that, through all of that, we have found comfort from God. Yes, in his scriptures. Yes, through other people, but also through the Spirit of God that reminds us that our happiness Our joy, it's not determined by what is happening outside of us. It is not determined by what's happening all around us. It's not an outside-in kind of thing. It is an inside-out kind of thing that can only be attributed to the Spirit of God. God says He will provide us a peace that surpasses all understanding. It doesn't make sense. And right now, I just pray that you are experiencing God's comfort. And if you're not, I just want you to reach out to Matt and Carrie. Reach out to one of the great people at Experience Christian Church. And let them know what's going on in your life. I think you'll be surprised at how much comfort God can provide to you if you will allow Him to. Now, before I move on with things this morning and I let you go and you can go out and do whatever you want to do, I want to share with you one other kind of brokenness and mourning that I think Jesus is referring to here when he shares this particular beatitude, blessed are those who mourn. It's a kind of brokenness that a lot of us are not really all that willing to talk about very openly. It's what's hidden deep down inside of all of us, a brokenness over a personal failure in life. Some people describe that as a a kind of a shame or, or describe it as a guilt. The Bible just refers to it as sin. And in the moments in our lives when we will actually allow ourselves to be honest, to look deep inside of our souls, examine our thoughts, examine our actions and our motives for things, that morning that we experience can actually be way more overwhelming than actually even being told that you have coronavirus or cancer. And here's the thing with this. Jesus promises us, when we're broken by our sin like that, the exact same kind of comfort as when we experience loss. See, when we admit that we have sin, we're actually admitting that we are poor in spirit, just like Matt shared with us last week. And admitting we are poor in spirit is a great place to start, but it's not where it ends. We should also mourn that sin We should be deeply broken by the fact that it's our sin that sent Jesus to a cross. And when we mourn like that, that is when Jesus promises to provide us his comfort. Just like when we mourn a loss. And what Jesus was saying to those people who are sitting out on this hillside, what he's saying to those of us sitting in our homes today, is I actually know that you're overwhelmed with grief. I know that you have a deep sadness right now. But that mourning that you feel 
over a broken heart or maybe a personal loss, over a medical diagnosis, or even over your sin. That brokenness can actually put you on a path to blessedness, to true happiness. How's that work? You know, there are a lot of different things we can do with our brokenness and mourning. We have options. One of the options is we can, you know, just kind of repress our brokenness and mourning and kind of shove it down, swallow it, act like it's not there, go into denial. And a lot of people do that, right? But it's so unhealthy. And what we're especially good at repressing is brokenness over our own sin. I think I'm right about that. It's true about me. The prison of pride is full of all kinds of unhappy people. What Jesus is saying here is blessed are those who know that they have issues, but they also have the sense enough to admit it. Blessed are those who don't repress it. Another option we can choose uh, with our brokenness in mourning is to just replay it over and over and over again. Is that true for you? And we have, we have more time, maybe, with the isolation we've experienced, that we do this, right? It's easy to do. And let me just be careful here, though, because mourning and grief can really take a long time, can long periods of time to, to kind of move through. There are all sorts of stages to grief, and you can't rush them. But I want you to understand this. There's an enormous difference between mourning and moaning. Mourning is actual legitimate grief. Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn, they will be comforted. But moaning, it's that perpetual pity party where you invite everybody over and you say, poor, poor me, and you you just invite everybody to kind of play that song with you over and over again. That's not going to lead to happiness for anybody, especially the people you invited over. Counselors and psychologists will actually tell you that getting stuck in one stage of grief without the ability to move forward is just not healthy, okay? So if you can't repress it and you can't replay it, what else can you do? Well, you can resent it. You can choose that option. And that's one of the biggest areas that we resort to uh, with, with this kind of brokenness and mourning, uh, especially when it comes through brokenness over pain caused by someone else. Maybe you've experienced that. We see that when we're dealing, we, we, we can sit there and see that while we're dealing with all of the stuff going on, that they don't seem to be affected at all. And so what happens, you can fantasize about how you can get back at them, right? Because we want to get back. There was a woman one time who walked into a pet store and she told the man behind the counter, she said, I want the meanest, nastiest pet that you've got. The man's like, all right, I've got this little blue bird over here in a cage. And she's like, a bird? And he's like, oh, yeah, come on over here. Uh, It's an attack bird. She's like, an attack bird? What can that do? And so he opened up the cage, and he says to the bird, attack bird the chair. And this bird flies down and totally makes sawdust out of this chair. And the woman's like, whoa, what else can it do? And he was like, well, watch this, attack bird the table. Same thing happened. Flew down, destroyed the table. And the woman was like, I will take that bird. And the man was like, um, I'm curious, what do you need this bird for? And she's like, well, I am married to the most awful, nasty, sarcastic man on the planet. And when I go home today with this bird, I know exactly what he's going to say. He's going to say, what in the heck is that? 
And I'm going to tell him. I'm going to say it's an attack bird. You know what he's going to say to me? He's going to say it's an attack bird my foot. At least that's kind of how I heard the joke. You can insert your own words. (laughs) You know, if you handle your brokenness and your mourning with resentment like that, it's going to turn on you. Resentment will start eating you up from the inside out. And so if you're not supposed to repress the brokenness in mourning, if you're not supposed to replay it, if you're not supposed to resent it, then what the heck are you supposed to do with it, Tony? This is Jesus' upside-down wisdom. you got to release it. And that's what Jesus is talking about, I think, in this beatitude in part. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. He's saying, let God enter into this with you so you can release it to him. See, mourning is a critical point for everyone who wants to experience true happiness and joy because you don't come to God unless you recognize your need for him. And what brokenness and mourning always do is they lead us back to God somehow, whether that be through our health, through our losses, and even our sin. Now, when we're talking about sin, you can be broken by it, you can own it and release it to God, or you can repress it and hold on to it and eventually just let it break you down. There was a couple that was uh, riding in their car, they got pulled over by the police for speeding, all right? And the officer walks to the window and the man was driving and he says, why are you in such a hurry? And the the man's like, well, I'm really in a hurry. I'm trying to get to the hospital to see a relative who is sick, to which his wife replies, no, we're not. You know, officer, I'm always telling him that he drives too fast. And so the officer starts writing the man a ticket. And, and he notices that the man's not wearing his seatbelt. He's like, you're not wearing your seatbelt. And the man's like, oh, I know. I probably took it off when I reached for my wallet to give it to you. And the wife was like, he never wears his seatbelt. I don't know what he's talking about. It's probably never even been worn before. And so the cop starts writing a second ticket. And to, at this, the, the, the man becomes really frustrated. He starts yelling at his wife. He's like, what are you doing? He starts telling her, you need to be quiet. And the police officer looks at the woman and he says, does he always treat you like this, ma'am? And the woman says, actually, no. Only when he's been drinking. <laughs> the Bible says, I'm sorry about these jokes. They're horrible, I know. But, you know, you're used to Matt. It's probably okay. The Bible says that if we confess and repent of our sins, that God is faithful and just, and he'll forgive us of those sins. And on top of that, he will even comfort us while we mourn those sins. That is what Jesus is saying in the Beatitude. When you are truly broken by whatever it is, by your health or a loss or by your sin, if you release it to God, he will comfort you. And that is what true happiness is all about. It's where it's found. I love the message translation, the message version of our passage this morning. It's a paraphrase. Matthew chapter 5, puts it, uh, the, the, the message translation puts it this way. You are blessed when you feel you have lost what is most dear to you. Only then can you embrace, be embraced by the one most dear to you. It's great, isn't it? See, the one who knows you the best loves you the most. 
The one who knows every single thing about you, every thought, every deed, every action, is the one who loves you the most. He loves you so much that he gave the life of his only son for you so that he could have a relationship with you. Jesus wants you to experience God's blessing forever. In heaven, Scripture tells us there will be no more brokenness. There'll be no more mourning. There's no more suffering or death. There'll be no more cancer. There won't be coronavirus. There won't be sin. Do you have that hope? Do you have that promise in your life for true happiness in spite of your circumstances around you? Well, it begins by humbly admitting that you're poor in spirit, that you don't measure up, but it continues by mourning the fact that you don't measure up. Mourning the sins and mourning them to the extent that you are actually willing to change. And when you do that, Jesus says, blessed are you for you will be comforted.